Filmmaker Commentary, episode 64. Welcome to Filmmaker Commentary, where we give you insights from our favorite filmmaking commentaries. These commentaries can be heard on your DVD and Blu-rays of your favorite movies. We'll show you how you can use these commentaries and apply them to improve your video production and filmmaking techniques. All of this here on Filmmaker Commentary. I'm your host, Reginald Titus Jr. Welcome to Filmmaker Commentary. I'm Reginald Titus Jr. I'm joined with... KCG Smith. Welcome back, sir. Good to be back, sir. <laughs> and today we're going to go over Death Wish, directed by Eli Roth, 2018, written by Joe Carnahan. We have a theatrical performance of 34.34, just 34 million domestically, and we have 14.5 internationally for a worldwide box office of 48.5 million. What was the budget? What was the production budget? Uh, got a production budget of 30 million. 30 million. Ooh. Yeah. Once you add in, you know, you know, P and A, that's 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 maybe they broke even, mm-hmm. uh, but probably they took a little bit of a loss on this one. Yeah, not enough to because I know they were going to try to do a part two, right? They alluded yeah, to it. Yeah, they they alluded. Yeah, no, there was you know potential there, but probably not. Yeah. Um, we have a the home market performance for DVD sales, 3.3 million and uh, Blu-ray 4.6 million. And this is just domestic video sales of almost 8 million bucks. Like we were talking off off uh, off mic. Yeah. Uh, about it'd be fascinating to be able to see numbers for SVOD and, and VOD. Yes. Uh, when you get into those other windows of distribution, uh, what that looks like. Uh, but those numbers are few and far between. Yeah. And they'll probably keep that close to the vest because I think when we realize that they're really crushing it outside of the theater, you know, a lot of distributors, that's kind of like the myth. Like some of the distributors kind of keep, especially independent distributors, that's how they are really making their money and kind of swindling other filmmakers out of their films because they know that they're going to be able to flip flip it on the iTunes oh. and the transactional stuff. Yeah. Uh, no Blumhouse. They know even if they're... Um, their movie doesn't perform well theatrically and they pull it in enough time and they know it's not going to perform well. They know they're going to be able to get two or three million off a bad title. Yeah. They yeah, just, he just got, knows that got he's this, got they, it. He's got it down. They got it down to a science. Blue, Blue Mouse, they, they <laughs> I think, I, you know, I think I'm quoting it right, but like, I think it's about three million that they know that they can get off of a title. That's even not performing well theatrically. You know, they keep that budget low enough. Shoot. Yeah. Yeah. But at any rate, before we dive further into Death Wish, let's talk about Moo. Let's talk about. <laughs> <laughs> what? what the heck is going on? Let's talk about news and movies watched. So, news. Do you have any news for us today? A little bit of news. Uh, so, Toy Story 4 has had a, a strong second week at the box okay. office. Uh, its its initial opening uh, was considered a little bit weak, but it, it uh, bounced back and made around an additional uh, $58 million, um, Okay. During this weekend, uh, uh, Avengers had its 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 quote unquote re-release at the box office, uh, attempting to try and overtake Avatar's uh, record worldwide, pulled in about uh, f- I want to say about five point five million, which was a boost to what it had been doing, but uh, not quite enough to topple Avatar. Uh, and then Spider Man: Far From Home mm-hmm. opened in China, Japan, and Bangkok, and brought in uh, uh, I want to say one hundred one million. 
okay. um, over there. And, of course, it'll have its official domestic release this Tuesday. So uh, it's expected to do pretty well. Uh, and well, and that's also what Avengers Endgame, its, it's quote-unquote re-release did, was to bolster bolster up, uh, you know, preparing for the launch. Uh, because Spider-Man Far From Home is the official last film of, of uh Phase three of the MCU Mm -hmm, of the MCU. Yeah, it's it's at the end of Phase three in the whole Infinity uh, Saga. Well, I won't won't put it that way. Who knows what we'll see in in credits? But uh, but yeah, that's what I got for news. Yeah, my son, he's like, we're going to see Spider Man. That's like his thing. Then Spider, of course, the U verse, Spider Verse, and that's on Netflix. So mm -hmm. like, he's waiting. Like, hey, when we're gonna watch this? Like, hey, it's on. It's here now. Also, kind of going what you were saying with the whole uh, in game thing. You know, a lot of people are kind of comparing it to see if it was going to be able to topple Avatar and all that. Uh, But on one of the articles I read that they were some of the countries that Avatar was really doing well in in this uh, Infinity Endgame, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's not it's not performing well in those countries that Avatar was doing at the time, and so it's like kind of like a bad calculation based on the countries that that are doing well. And also, again, the big thing I think one of the big things is that is is when it was released. Mm-hmm. Avatar came out in I want to say like in December, which or maybe even January. So Avatar did not have a bunch of competition. It didn't. Come, it wasn't a summer release, right? I went out of my way to see it because of the whole 3D craze because I remember 3D with the red and blue glasses and this mm-hmm. was the first time 3D you could see it clearly without having the color version of That's, 3D. I think hands down that has that little trend thing that really allowed it to launch out. Well here's the thing Avatar did not have a big opening weekend. It mm-hmm. just it had legs. And that so, was word of mouth, man, because I told everybody. Yeah, yeah, and so, but it had legs, but it also it didn't have it didn't have any major competition. Like during its its initial run, mm-hmm. not a lot of comp, like not a lot of competition. Mm-hmm. Avengers dropped in April. It was end of April, and then within weeks we had Detective Pikachu, and there's there's been we went into the summer like, and there's been a lot of pretty big movies this summer. Not all of them have been blockbuster killers, but that truly definitely, you know, would have eaten eaten into uh, Avengers' run at the box office. Because again, mm-hmm. you go up and like Detective Pikachu, that's, you know, and then Aladdin drops and then just so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. So a lot of competition, whereas Avatar had a, had a, a nice runway. But Yeah, but, I might have seen Avatar twice, but like how I see movies is like, even if there is a lot of options, I just go to the one I want to watch, you know, it's not. Yeah. So even with like with, with all those options of movies being out, I only want to, to watch the Infinity movie. Yeah, I think I think um, I think it makes a difference when you get when you got uh, competition. If, you see, if you've seen something and mm. you have an option to maybe go see it again, but there's something else you want to see, then you're going to go see the other thing you want to see. If it's not any competition. You're like, oh, well, you know, we're here. Let's go watch this again. And it was mind blowing, like straight up. Like Avatar was mind blowing. Like, so I, so I, I watched it in the theater, but I had a. Like I think it was one contact in, so the 3D wasn't working as <laughs> oh, well as it man. should have for me. Yeah, so like for like an experience, I was like, "What is this?" Like it, like my brain was tripping. Mm. <laughs> you know, story, basic story. Yeah, but from like just straight visual effects, like I was like, "This the is experience. next." Yeah, it was next level. Yeah, I mean, clearly it 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 uh, encapsulated the world again. It was mm-hmm. like literally lightning in a bottle. It's going to be very fascinating to see what happens uh, with these next three sequels. Um, uh, they. I mean, again, I won't. I won't bet against James Cameron no. because he's he's shown <laughs> he's got two on the list. Yeah, <laughs> he's he's shown that he can do some amazing things. So true. We'll see. But yeah, that's all we have for news, and that came via the playlist. Movies watched. I only got one show 
that I watched. I didn't really have that much time this week, but um, I watched The Chef Show. I think you tell me about that with uh, John Favreau, director. I've seen the movie Chef. I, I, I did. <laughs> I did see that plugged on uh, on Netflix, but I didn't. I, yeah. I, didn't, I haven't. just watched two episodes. Seems like he was just while he was hanging out on set and things like that he just he wanted a reason to hook back up with uh, um, the actual chef that showed him how to cook that's who he's partnered up with in this show and then he just like you know showing people how to do some of the dishes that he that that he made in the movie and it's cool it's like it's freestyle you can tell he just had some cameras around like hey let's shoot something real quick Nice. Uh, so I saw two episodes of that and saw that with the wife. She likes like cooking shows. So okay. it was pretty cool. And then you, on the first uh, episode is with who's Iron Man's wife? What's the actress name? Pepper, uh, I don't say Pepper Potts. That is Miss Gwen St- Gwyneth Paltrow. Paltrow. Um, the name of the dish they were making was called Pepper Potts. And it was like <laughs> jalapeno, habanero stuff. And it, it looked kind of gross. It looked very gross but wow. and spicy. Uh, and because I guess she has like this like vegan restaurant or something like that. She's got a whole she's got a whole brand yeah. business thing going on. Wow. She's she's not she's like entrepreneur straight up, Hook like clothing up. line and. So yeah. when when they were talking, she was like, uh, John Favreau was like, you, you know, in Spider Man when you were like, she's like, I was in Spider, you like, I was in Spider Man. He's like, yeah, the scene when you when in Far From yeah in Homecoming, she's got a real quick. <laughs> So Same. she started laughing. She said, "That was Spider Man." <laughs> that that would make sense though. There's there's so much, uh, you know. I guess if you're trying to schedule an, an actor or actress, and you know they're going to be in a couple things, and you got to you got to block them out, you might have them like shoot a couple things back to back, and then you know they go about you know. Yeah, she was then, unaware. She was yeah. just like, okay, she's and they're so secretive too. So she she may have had you know just you know sides for whatever scene that she's going to perform with Tom Holland. And with you know RDJ, and and you know and, and with Favreau, and then she's gone because it's literally she's just there for like one scene. When I yeah. think about it, it's just one quick scene. So I I wouldn't be surprised if she didn't realize. Yeah, that's funny. But anyhow, uh, some other actors probably would know they were in there. <laughs> My mom was very. Uh, but and also like when did they record you know the uh, the show the sh- the chef show because oh, you know because they could have been right in the middle of it or that's who knows really, that's a really good point you know so hey man you know who knows who knows but um and then in uh, the second episode you see like Robert Downey you got Tom Holland you got Ken Fe- Kevin Feige 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 Kevin Feige sorry. Um, and some more producers uh, like the whole Marvel Universe and uh, they're just Sylvester at the table and um, they're just having a good time more. just eating man it looks I was like oh man that's a cool t- table to be at yes sir anyhow that's all that's all I've seen okay okay I got a couple of things that made the list so first off Reginald yes <laughs> based on your recommendation last episode <laughs> yeah what uh, you implored me to watch Black Mirror yes not not the whole thing just one episode um, yes and uh, so I, I watched. I watched the first episode of season. Is it five? Yeah, that we're on first episode of season five. Uh, fascinating concept. Yeah, uh, you know the the the. So, <laughs> filmmaker commentary. Yes, uh, if, um, you haven't reviewed any, watched any of the things that that uh, we're talking about. I just want to let you know that there could be in this portion spoilers. Yes, indeed. Um, you've been forewarned. Yeah. If, fast forward if you don't want. Season five of Black, Black Mirror. Mirror. Spoiled. Just fast forward 30 seconds, you'll be good. Yeah. So, uh, Anthony Mackie, 
uh, in this particular episode, you know, you know, they start off, you know, it's earlier in life, him and his future, future wife and kind of have like Mm -hmm. how they like to role play, you know, when they're at bars and stuff like that. And then, you know, him and his, his best friend, you know, they all live together and, you know, his best friend keeps him up late and they like to game play this fighting game. You fast forward years later where, you know, they've kind of, you know, him and his buddy have kind of grown his part is, you know, buddy's recently divorced and shows up at Anthony Mackey's birthday party. And as a gift gives him this little virtual reality headset to go along uh, with the brand new edition of the fighting game. They used to play back in the day. They ended up connecting, you know, online, you know, he invites Anthony Mackey to jump into the fighting game, (laughs) but to put on a little virtual reality piece, which has been introduced from other seasons. Sure. Yeah, Yeah. man. So you're familiar with the technology. Exactly. Black Mirror is all about, you know, Mm -hmm. technology with a twist. Yeah. And uh, and so it, it, they show up and boom, they're actually in the game. And Anthony Mackie is in the, is in the body of his favorite character, the Asian dude. And you know, but it's like you know you, when you're in the game, you know it's like I'm now real actors. And of course, um, man, it was, it was a trip to see that. I was like, this is cool. Yeah, and then and, yeah, and then his 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 best friend, who was also the actor from uh, who, who he's in actually Aquaman, he plays Black Manta. Um, I Sorry, he, dude's, dude's a talented actor, man. He's also in the uh, the Get Down on Netflix. Oh, okay. He plays one of the main bads uh, in that. Mm-hmm. Dude, dude, dude's real talented. He's, he, he might have a uh, African name. His, his name is unique. Mm-hmm. Um, but so he shows up in the game as a uh, female character. That he's like to right, play right, as right. who the actress who's playing that female character is the one who plays Mantis in the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Ah, uh, yeah, we got all kinds of like. There you go. Yeah, we got we got you know. Yeah, it's. It's wild. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're both in the game and like, the you know, Anthony Max is just trying to get adjusted. And he said the, the game simulates like all aspects of physicality. So it's not even though they're fighting each other and he can get an injury, but he'll like heal up. But you can feel everything. Yeah, that's terrible. Yeah, so they began to like you know mess around with like fighting and Anthony Max trying to get adjusted, and then all of a sudden out of nowhere, like they they kiss, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, and they're like. You know, kind of taken back by it, and so anyway, well, long story short, what ends up happening is that they they end up they end up going at it, like you know, again, this simulates all aspects of physicality, right. which includes sex, and uh, they end up, you know, their characters in this game they end up having sex, and so you cut to the guys, at, you know, in their respective homes on the couches, just like you know, eyes glazed over, zoned out, you know, connected to this virtual yeah. world. Actually, the first time they don't do it, the first time. It's not as fresh in my brain, but I don't think, I don't think, I don't think they have the first time. I think maybe it's the second time, but I think, I, I think they just kissed the first time. But anyway, eventually it ends up where they end up going at it and it, it ends up becoming this thing. And, yeah. and he begins to become more distant from his wife. He had a real passionate relationship with his wife. They had a good mm-hmm. thing. And she just begins to notice how it's like, just he's changing. And she's like, is it, is it me? And uh, they're trying to get pregnant again. They have one child and one another. And, and anyway, they end up, um, Finally, Anthony Mackie ends up ends up just kind of like saying, telling his friend, like, yeah, we can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. We can't. And they, they kind of have this distance. And then years pass. And his wife, thinking she's being a good wife, she invites, you know, his old friend to come back through. She doesn't, you know, know why that they aren't hanging out. She doesn't realize anything that's been going on. She invites him to come through to dinner. And, you know, they're there having dinner. And his friend is telling him that he's tried to... He's tried to, you know, find other ways, other other avenues in this game. He's he slept with other other people virtually <laughs> that's right, that's in the right. game. I forgot about that. Said, yeah, I slept with a polar bear. <laughs> polar bear. 
but for whatever reason, it's it's not it's just not the same a with other characters. Bear. That's hilarious. And uh, so yeah, it, again, this is going longer than thirty seconds. But yeah, yeah. Sorry about the guys. It was um, it was a doozy. It, it was it was it was something else, man. It just it it was kind of just blurring these these lines mm-hmm. uh, virtual reality, and and of course it's, it's dealing, then dealing with theme, themes of sexuality. But the crazy thing is that they finally kind of had this confrontation in person. And yeah. and he and he says you know let's just you know kiss and get it over with uh, to find out you know you know I guess you know are, are, are gay or bi or whatever and they do that and they're like nope nothing right and they even like and like even like kind of come to blows like and get yeah. put in jail and uh, and long story short they end up at the end of the day he finally tells his wife what's going on when she bails him out of jail yeah and they end up reaching this compromise where he gets one. I don't know. I don't know. Once a month or once a year or something like that. Yeah, yeah it's. Weird. I think it's once a month. They got yeah. this arrangement where he gets to go online with his buddy and they do what they do, mm-hmm. and then she gets to go out to a bar somewhere and play this role playing game and pick up some random dude. Yeah. So they basically get like a free pass for whatever yeah. day that is. Yeah. And I'm just like, what? What? Yeah. No. That was. I was like, Anth- <laughs> that was. A, it was a shock. It was well done, well acted, well executed, but yeah, it was a shock. It was a shock. Yeah. It was something else. So, um, yeah, Black Mirror, <laughs> season five, episode one. Yeah, man, it's a doozy. Yeah. Um, some late, uh, was a lady. She's in Houston. I was on Instagram on my filmmaker page, and uh, she's a writer. And she was like, she had put up like an image from that episode and said, "Is this cheating?" Like it, like like a whole debate. I was mm. like, I was like, yeah, it is, but it's weird though. <laughs> Yeah. That's what I told. I was like, "Yeah, it is. I said, "Yeah, it is cheating," but it's weird though. But. I, I guess, I guess it comes down to, um, I, I, I guess you know, I guess how you define cheating, whether it's actual like physical, like it, it, is it the actual physical act of is it, fant is fantasizing mm-hmm. cheating? Is it an illicit conversation? Is, is that cheating? And again, something's gonna be stepping blocks to. Right. Um, is is getting any? Yeah, it's 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 all kinds of a, can of worms. Yeah, it is from like a vert because I kind of see what uh, this is a tangent. Yes, this is. is the future of pornography, basically. You know, VR glasses yeah. and do all that and simulating all that stuff. The simulation, the stimulation. That's going to be the future. But what makes it cheating? What I think women uh, would classify it as cheating. Cheating is because you know the person on the other side, and you're like developing this like. Uh, Connection. relationship it's a relationship it's a, yeah it is what's it called when you have like a like a um i'm looking for a word it's not like straight up cheating an affair so it's like you're, you're having an affair an emotional yeah an emotional affair and I like i think a woman you know i'm just generalizing would prefer if this thing was like a real thing to to just be strangers <laughs> mm, no <laughs> versus, emotional connection yeah to- versus like somebody you know and you're like planning on the meeting time and you're developing sure. and talking and, and keeping doing, a secret. Yeah. So you're online, you know, having this, having these conversations and these landscapes and all this stuff. It's like, yeah, I think most women would probably like get the hell off. Uh, the- <laughs> yeah. I, I say it's just, yeah, it's straight up. I say it's definitely cheating. Yeah. Again, relationships are a combination of all these things, right? You know? Exactly. The emotional, the physical, the mental. And if you, if you, if, if your relationship is supposed to be based on trust, yeah. honesty, uh, and you're breaking those things, and yeah, that's I think it's a, it's a form of cheating. Yeah, um, fascinating. Yeah, yeah. So, so. <laughs> man, it's a can of worms you opened, Rich. Yes, but I did. I, I did check it out, and yeah. now that I'm now I'm like uh, removed from it, you know, yeah. a little bit. I can I can appreciate I can appreciate it more as a standalone episode. But I was I'm not, I'm not gonna lie, I'm 
I was a little uncomfortable. Uh, but yeah, that's yeah. my that's 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 you know just where I'm at. But you know you do what you do. Uh, but it was a it was overall well done episode and uh, yeah, it's fascinating. I was uh, what made me watch it was because I was on Facebook doing something and uh, the key art for the Netflix special had popped up mm-hmm. and I said this key art for this it had Anthony Mackie on there and I said what's he doing on uh, Black Mirror? Sure and. It had the key art looked like Moonlight, the movie Moonlight. Like the key art looked oh, similar. So I'm like, what the hell is Anthony doing? And so, I was, oh. <laughs> and so I was like, let me check this out, see what's going on. That makes sense. For based on this episode, that makes sense. But I, I tell you what, it, it, man, just the future of like again, like a virtual reality thing though, where where even the the rules of the game change. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like it, it, inhabiting something. That's 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 crazy, man. That's yeah. crazy. Like, what if you were like, eating, you know, like virtually eating food? Like, would you taste it, experience it? Would you accidentally starve yourself because you're telling your brain yeah, that you're so. eating and your taste buds are, you know, your brain is sending signals that your taste buds and, and like, oh, it's I crazy. Think, yeah, it'll get there. Because that could be a crazy way to diet, though, too. The, the possibilities are dangerous. Um, because you have people now, like some of the stream gamers, mm-hmm. like I've read people that are like in uh, World of Warcraft and things like that. They're on these servers that are competing around the world, yeah. like spending 20 hours, 23 hours, 22 yeah. hours. Some of these guys are so extreme. They're wearing diapers. Yeah. To play on a video game. Yeah. The only reason that people they... People have a, or a couple of sides to piss on, piss in and, <laughs> and just they don't want to leave that are screen. Are you kidding me? And that the only reason that they get up is to eat something. Yeah. That's it. If it wasn't for that, they would just be plugged in. So I think if you were able to dial in like that, mm-hmm. and you can get the sensation of like you think you oh ate, you gosh. would accidentally die. Yeah. <laughs> that That's going to be something. That's that man. You already said that is the future. Is. So moving on. Moving on. Because I watched some other things. I'm going to be real quick about this. So okay. I, uh, also, I also watched uh, The Shaft for the first time. The Samuel L. Jackson? Uh, no, the original Richard Roundtree. Uh, okay. Shaft. Okay. Check that out. It's pretty cool. Um, also, I watched, um, I've seen two episodes so far of uh, Euphoria on HBO. With Zendaya? Uh, yeah. Pretty good? Yeah. Yeah, man. It's, okay. one of those, it's one of those shows that gives you kind of insight to this current generation at that high school level. Yeah. It's okay. quite quite fascinating. And it's, it's, well, it's well done, well directed. It's visually really nice also and then a little old school anime I've always seen this in blockbusters back in the day it was Neon Genesis Evangelion I was never quite sure how to pronounce that yes mm-hmm. Neon Genesis Evangelion it came out in 95 okay. uh, it's kind of one of those kind of you know Japanese anime uh, with like kind of like mechs and they're fighting monsters um, uh, uh, I mean I'm like I'm like six episodes in they're like episodes like 23 minutes mm-hmm. a piece but so far I am digging it, man. Wow. I am. I am digging it. It's like a kind of rated TV fourteen. You know, in anime, you never know what you're, you know, gonna get <laughs> at but, all. But it's it's a TV fourteen, but it's a hard TV fourteen because yeah. they 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 this it's it's so interesting. They got these strong. There's a lot of female characters in the show that are very strong, um, but they always kind of will show them in different like, like sexualized way, like mm-hmm. this heightened sexualization at times and different angles. It's it's fascinating. Um, and you got you know this this main kind of lead guy character but he's still he's still like a he's a teenager mm-hmm. he's kind of wimpy but he's, he but he's kind of has to be in this lead role anyway but so far i'm i'm really enjoying it i'm really really enjoying it and but that's yeah. where what is that it's on netflix. netflix it's called neon genesis evangelion the, the first, first the first anime i saw was uh ninja scroll oh and so <laughs> hello <laughs> that was i know i was in high school i was like i have just seen the most awesome 
anime ever. Yes, sir. even though this is the first one I've ever seen, mm-hmm. and I don't think I need to continue. Like I think I'm. <laughs> it's a Ninja Scroll. Yeah, yeah. That like it I'm covers good. all bases. It just covers all bases. Like I don't think there you can make anything that can compare to this. Mm. My first real dive into anime was a series called Crying Freeman. <laughs> I think you told me about yeah. crying. crying. The title by itself is not. This is just funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, understandable. But he's he's an assassin. Whenever he would, he was pro- programmed in his mind that. But whenever he would like kill somebody, take somebody out, he would the tears would stream. But dude was a total badass, though. Yeah, yeah. Was it better than Ninja Scroll though? Well, this was a series of of no, it's not better than Ninja. I guess Ninja matter. Scroll is a is a totally different beast. It's still awesome, okay, but it's not Ninja Scroll. Yeah. And I finally was able to finish the whole series because like these like movies. It's like four or five movies. Yes, yeah. yeah. But uh, I just thought all anime because I wasn't really introduced, so nobody like kind of ushered me. In. I just thought all anime was like Ninja Scroll. So I was like searching for that lust, that blood lust, and all like you know just how graphic it is. I was like, what? Oh, show me some more. Let me, what oh, what, what, what else you got here? Cutesy stuff. You're yeah. like. Wait a minute. What is this? Digimon, Pokemon. What is this? Garbage. What? Out. What is no. this garbage? But anyway. No, but, but pl- if you want more like that, there are plenty. There are plenty more like that. Yeah. <laughs> so now I've, um, since then, uh, like Afro Samurai, uh, that was a cool little series. And then um, One Punch Man is kind of like, kinda, I like the comedy of that. So. Yeah. He's, he's ridiculous. But yeah, so that is, that's what I've watched. Cool. Well, let's jump right back into the show. Welcome back to Filmmaker Commentary. We are covering Death Wish, starring Bruce Bruce Willis, directed by Eli Roth, 2018. Let's jump right into the synopsis. Dr. Paul Kersey is a surgeon who only sees the aftermath of his city's violence as it's rushed into his ER until his wife and college-aged daughter are viciously attacked in their suburban home. With the police overloaded with crimes, Paul, burning for revenge, hunts for his family's assailants to deliver justice. As the anonymous slangs of criminals grab the media's attention, the city wonders if the deadly Avenger is a guardian angel or a grim reaper. Fury and fate collide in the intense action thriller, Death Wish. And if this is your first time, once again, listening to Filmmaker Commentary, as we cover this film, please know that there will be spoilers. spoilers. You've been forewarned. Did you like this movie? And what were your thoughts? Okay. Um, <laughs> you know what? Uh, it was it was enjoyable. I, yeah. I, 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 yeah I, I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. The trailers Same didn't here. do much for me. The trailers were too cute. <laughs> yeah. You know? And, yeah. I, and I've seen the original Death Wish with Charles Bronson. Mm-hmm. Uh, I watched that a couple of years ago. And uh, I thought that, and then that was that was actually it's pretty good. You know, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a solid film. Uh, spawned multiple sequels, but yeah, I enjoyed this. I enjoyed this film uh, more than I thought I would, and I didn't mind going through it again for the for the commentary. How about you? I have two kind of responses from a just straight up entertainment standpoint, purely entertainment. Me and the wife, we enjoyed it. Okay, you know, like the bloodlust. Get them. <laughs> we enjoyed it, uh, but like from like an artsy kind of bougie filmmaker standpoint. Not so much. Okay. You know, there was there's some, you know, some some interesting things there. Like I know Eli Roth is he's the horror guy. And just kinda like with the thriller slat you know, it's a thriller, but then he's also kinda throwing in the horror elements. Sure. Sometimes it comes off as comedic. Okay. I will I will I will Yeah. 
that's that's fine. I'll give I'll give you that definitely on some of the some of the comedic timing of some things. Mm-hmm. And then with the I know we talked about this before, and there's a scene where uh, the scene where they in a, in the original uh, Death Proof. I haven't seen the original Death Proof. Is death the wish. death? I'm tripping. <laughs> Even though Eli Roth is in Death Proof, aha. Is it more graphic when the guys come in and yes, kill the. Did they kill the wife in the original? Mm-hmm. In the in the in the original, because I actually went back and, and read up a little bit on the on the originals to kind of have some 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 points. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, in the original, Kersey's wife is is killed and his daughter is raped. Mm-hmm. Like, and, it, and it's actually like actually Jeff Goldblum is in the original as okay. one of the assailants, it's like three like gang members. Okay, uh, it's clearly him. He's un- uncredited, but yeah, they yeah she gets she gets raped and it is. I think she gets she might get sodomized too, but it's anyway. It's yeah, it's definitely it's definitely more graphic. That's why I was kind of shocked with this one, especially with Eli Roth. Yeah, I I, I thought for sure they were going to show something, but they didn't. You know, they they pulled out even even the, the actual gunshots. You know, are uh, right. kind of off off camera, which I thought was was fascinating. Nothing you had to see. I thought, I thought that that still I guess you know worked well enough. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, more graphic. Than more graphic. Okay. So my problem with that. Is that from an entertainment standpoint, it works because we talked about it. Like if you're going to show, you know, the graphic nature of how you're killing people and how bloody and how intense you go into that. You know, what do you show with the family that you're going after what they went through? You know, are you going to kind of fudge on that? Are you going to be rated R in that way? Same as you're doing with the kills. And so, like, I know we kind of talk about with the balance, but I think um, what movie was that? Uh, Irreversible. When you show that and then you saw you show how bloody the murder is when you're doing the revenge, it kind of balances out. But it feels more justified to go that extreme of or to just show it or just to show how graphic you're killing people. Sure. You know, I feel like that has to be balanced. And this one, it felt like we were kind of leaning more to like we got to show every single kill, how graphic and horrific that is. And it's kind of it's weird. Sometimes it's off balance when you do that. Mm, That's fascinating. I I guess in this one, maybe because I had seen the original Mm -hmm. and. I don't know how they had that contrast that I was kind of I was surprised that it wasn't there, but mm-hmm. it, but I was like, it okay. still works. Though. Yeah, I was like, oh, this is a different, a different, a different take, and, mm-hmm. and yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's there is there definitely is an argument to to be made for that. Not that you know you see the wife's body, you know you see the wife's body, Elizabeth Shue's body right. after the fact, uh, and in fact, obviously that you know his daughter continues to live, but also his, a different twist from the original to this one mm-hmm. is his profession is different. Mm-hmm. So death was actually there's three it comes in three forms. Okay. First off, it's a book. That's right. Mm-hmm. Based it's off a, book. a novel. Yeah, based off a novel. And in the novel, he's an accountant. Then when the movie comes out in '74, they change him to an architect. Okay. And then now in this remake, he's this trauma surgeon. Mm-hmm. Uh, so three very different change, professions. But uh, accountant, architect. Uh, but with, with all these professions, are there that uh, are they leaning more to? I'm a more of a fluent family, or I'm well to do family because of the profession he seems to be doing all, all right from what i remember it's been mm-hmm. a while since i saw the first death was but he seems to be doing okay they, they don't they are yeah they seem that at least uh, like upper middle class and okay. i'm trying to remember whether if if, if if the original one is set in chicago mm-hmm. also yeah they don't they don't they didn't seem like they were hurting by by any means but it's mm-hmm. also you know it came out in 74 so sometimes yeah it didn't, it didn't they weren't they weren't in poverty and again if they were being you know the place being attacked and in in you know, again, his wife and daughter being attacked. I think that attack was like kind of random because um, these were just thugs. And think that I think I think they saw his wife and daughter at the store, and they were they were uh, they were primarily going to to rape them. Like that was uh, like the, that, that was primarily the yeah okay. it, it was, versus it robbery. 
Yeah, yeah, they Which were is, out to assail. And, but and we did have a creepy family. guy in this film that would that wanted to do more. And that was kind of the that was kind of I think the homage where you thought if you had seen the original you yeah. thought oh it's going to go this way, mm-hmm. but then you you actually have his daughter actually you know trying to fight back which is a different twist where his daughter and the other one was like yeah she didn't have a she didn't have a chance and she ex- ends up not even like in a she's not even in a coma in the first one in the original she's just comatose she's just in shock from what happened to her wow she's comatose yeah so just a graphic thing but i think it works from just an entertainment standpoint but what i wasn't aware of this had like some of the worst reviews this film when it came out and it wasn't on my radar at all like i seen the trailer i was like nah why i'm tired of remakes like why they keep doing this Mm. (laughs) so that's what i'm like from a subconscious standpoint i'm just like why are they doing this but it's eli roth i like eli roth okay i'll check it out one day sure um but i think the movie it still works but they got they got cream with the yeah, I, I, I remember hearing that. So, uh, you know, I heard about the development of the film and all that, and they were remaking mm-hmm. it. And I was like, and in my mind, I was like, yeah, kind of near your take. I was like, why would they have to remake Death Wish? I mean, I mean, the tale mm-hmm. it can can work in any generation. True. Um, and then when I saw the trailer, I was like, no. Again, it, it, it just it seemed too cute. I'm like, this is this is a and then tragic you got the little story. finger at the end, yeah. like bang bang. I'm like, this is a tragic story. Yeah. To me, there's nothing funny about it. You know, you're yeah. dealing with such real subject too, so. matter. Yeah, and yeah, I think there are a couple of times. I, I think with the way that this film is made, it, it, it kind of the the totality of it balances some of those little bits, uh, and they really try to avoid being melodramatic. But I think that's just kind of Eli Ross his his styling. Uh, you know, he always has yeah he always has some elements of you know the wink kind of in there. Yeah, even in his horror stuff. So yeah, that's the only problem that I kind of had, you know, I had issue with just the kind of graphic, the balance of what are we doing here? You know, because I think since we went that way at the beginning, I think some of the like head squishing and all that stuff like that could have been kind of taken out in a way. Mm. Um, like, like we do the close up of the face squashing or we do the close up of the neck breaking. It's like cut that part mm. <laughs> and it will give that balance. You know, it can kind of we see the blood and we see them like down, but. I don't know. That's just my thought. That's just the bougie stuff, like I was saying. That's just filmmaker stuff that, who cares? <laughs> but um, but then there was like a couple of continuity things, like uh, when uh, Bruce Willis was sitting down with the psychiatrist in the scene. At first, he's like sitting back when he's first talking to her. Mm-hmm. And then we cut to see her. And then all of a sudden, he's up. And so it was like, there's a couple of times where these little continuity things, like, I caught that. But I wonder if the audience cares. Mm. I may have seen... Something like that, I think, in the film. I think I, I think there was a scene I saw where they seemed like there was a quick shift in the position of the body changed. I don't remember what part it was in, though, but, yeah. But I also know they had a real tight shooting schedule with yeah with him. Um, he didn't really say much about uh, Bruce Willis during the commentary, if he had a good time. or He talked a lot about like the other actors, especially the daughter. And I thought he complimented Bruce Willis multiple times. Did he? Yeah. Yeah, he, I didn't he, catch he, it. to me, he constantly talked about I, he, how much he, how much of a professional he was, and mm-hmm. working with him, and let him kind of just do his, mm-hmm. do his, do his thing. Like I didn't, I didn't get any hints, you know, because sometimes we hear, you know, oh. things about obviously Bruce, Bruce Willis. Yeah. Uh, I know your boy Kevin Smith has has things to say, but I, I didn't, I didn't get that. A lot vibe. of people just kind of keep it quiet. Yeah, I didn't get that vibe at all from uh, from the commentary from from Eli. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I was listening for it. I was like, well, I wonder how you know how it went, but he didn't really. He said they had some doubles, and they <laughs> seemed like they were just trying to get him shot. Let's get him shot. <laughs> yeah. He did mention towards the end, when he was thanking the uh, producer he had worked with, mm-hmm. um, he did mention that they had, that it, it was a challenging film to shoot at the end. He said that specifically, and I was like, huh, that made me 
think about you know some of those bad reviews and yeah. it not performing well box yeah. office wise. And I think the only thing with just re- authenticity, you know, it being in Chicago, kind of talking about the bond stuff like that. There is no way in heck the surgeon is going in the middle of Chicago's hood and shooting a, <laughs> a drug the drug dealer a day in broad daylight. No, no way in Chicago this is happening. No way that happens at all. Because you hear stories like if you're driving up the street, they don't know your car and you're playing the wrong music. People have been shot just because of that stuff. So when you read the stories of what goes down over there, there's no way that's happening. But, you know, we'll, we'll just suspend belief. Suspend belief. Yeah. So it's it's fascinating that, you know, Eli talks about in the commentary how over the hospital, they, you know, they had a lot of extras who were doctors or physicians or right. actual medical personnel. Uh, and they asked different questions, even with the police officers. You know, they're asking them questions. How would this be handled or that handled? Right. And we visited some stations to find out, oh, this is, you know, closed by, you know, arrest and all that kind of stuff. Um, but maybe when it came to some of the crime and hood things, like, you know, where do you where do you find a good resource to we'll just, make we'll sure just it's make accurate? This up. Uh, I mean, maybe you could go into a, a prison, uh, but no, I figure you could maybe talk with some more police officers. You know, those who are you know are undercover or something. People have been undercover or DEA agents or something to to get some authenticity. But nah. that is that is a suspension of disbelief because not in Chicago. For, to him, for him to even go and even shoot, you know, the ice cream man. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> was it tippy top, tippy something? Yeah, tippy top <laughs> ice cream. <laughs> Even like when he, he shoots him, for the other guys to take off, I'm like, no, I feel like somebody else would have had a had a piece and yeah. and, and got your partner. Yeah, but uh, but again, that but that that's the there's an element of, of fantasy that's, True. that's that's definitely tied in within the you know revenge movie. Like the yeah. chances of somebody, you know, guns are tragic and highly dangerous, and and yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the overall commentary though, um, would you think you know the commentary you have? Yeah, Eli Roth, you got Roger Birnbaum, who was a producer of the film, and is, of course is based on the, the Charles Bronson movie. They recorded the day of the release, so they're still in high hopes. Yeah. You know, so. <laughs> feeling good. Yeah, they're feeling real good right now. I'm glad they recorded when they recorded it, instead of like a couple weeks afterwards, they probably would want to. Hey guys, this is Eli. Uh, it's Mercer's fault. <laughs> <laughs> I want to point fingers, but. Uh, yeah. Um, Y'all know what's up. What do you think about the commentary overall? I enjoyed Eli's commentary. I always enjoyed his commentary. He's always super passionate about it. I would prefer to hear him by himself because he loves talking about films, his story, all that stuff. And uh, I really enjoy Eli when he's by himself doing like thinking about the filmmakers and talking about the filmmaker stuff. You know, whenever he has other people on, he tends to kind of cater to the cater people to that them. are. Yeah. And so that or, you know, I would like the screen, the, the at least the screenwriter to be. You know, part of it just to kind of get why they made certain changes. But overall, it, it was entertaining. He has the the radio voice, and he's always trying to teach. So I enjoyed it for what it was. I liked hearing some of the behind the scene things from a casting standpoint, uh, mm-hmm. how they how they work together and partner together, and you know, when they came across the right people. I really liked at the very very end when he asked um, this longtime producer and, and a studio exec. Yeah, this guy's a studio exec. You know, for you know, he asked him for anybody who's trying to get into the business. Do you have any advice you would give them? And I'll share that when we get to the tip section. Yes, indeed. But I thought, I thought that was that, that was, was good. really cool. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, so I enjoyed the commentary. You, what about yourself? You enjoyed it? Good. Yeah, yeah. I was in, yeah. I again. You turned me on to, to Eli's commentaries, and yeah, he always has good 
um, good insight and you know gives you he, he's he's good at giving be able to give a breakdown of a of a scene kind of quickly. He knows when to let it when to let things breathe. Yeah, uh, you know we get to some like some of the favorite quotes. They talk about it was coming up and they gave it space to to come out. And I'm like, ah, oh, that that's nice style. So from a style standpoint, you know, I like the color palette, you know, it really, really pops. This film, yeah. it's, it's clean. Yeah. Super clean. Like, I'm like, Eli, is this you? <laughs> <laughs> you know, where's the dirty film? Put some blood on the screen. What's going on? Make it dirty. But it was like super clean, crisp. It was well lit. Yeah. You got the tills and auburn kind of colors. You mm-hmm. got that popping. And if you watch any kind of like Michael Mann film you would see the same kind of colors that's a good comparison mm-hmm. yeah yeah and also I, I love some of the second unit shots of chicago uh mm-hmm. even even the opening um yeah the opening uh, aerial yeah uh, of chicago um yeah i really dug those shots from the second unit director um he mentioned that he was trying to you know kind of obtain an aesthetic of there being uh, beauty and softness uh throughout yeah. Uh, the look of the film and there are times where it goes and it contrasts and sometimes it's dependent on you know what what, what mindset Dr. Kersey is is in mm-hmm. uh, but yeah overall I thought I, I I really did enjoy the look of this film and also from like just a style standpoint you you got some of Eli Roth's style in there you have his uh, he has like a lot <laughs> the bowling stuff so like when uh, Dr. Kersey is going in to look for the one of the killers I can't think of the guy's name Fish was it fish or Robol trouble something like that? Some when, he gets, when he gets that bar with the yeah. back room, and he's asking for stuff. So we see uh, old TV and an old guy looking at the TV. And you see this girl in this short skirt, and she's bowling. And then, of course, one of the killers get killed by a bowling ball. But that's like if you go back to Cabin Fever. You know, he had uh, during the campfire they were having. Uh, they were talking about like this uh, a serial killer who had killed all these people at this bowling alley. At a so, bowling alley. Oh, you're right. Yeah. He's got a thing with bowling. He tries to work I don't know, but I just films. like, I was like, of course, you know, of course Eli Roth is going to have bowling and someone die by a bowling ball. Some bowling kind. tropes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, okay. And just the way that uh, he kills his people and makes sure that it's explicit. And he really is like, I feel like he's just living up to that point. It's like, I can't wait to show the close up of somebody getting cut or disfigured. You know, that's his thing. He really loves it, enjoys that. So mm. I, I only expect that from Eli Roth. Even in a thriller, themes. I had a couple of I had a couple of themes. I just have one. His father in law. Remember his father in law. The you know after the funeral, you know he he identifies there's some poachers that are you know trying to get some deer off property poaching. You know you're illegally hunting basically on someone's property, mm-hmm. and he catches them and shooting at you know shooting at the guys that are that are poaching uh, his game or. He has to kill the deer, you know that they that they've killed, you know, because right. the deer is injured and he kills it. And he says, "You, you got to protect." You know, the problem is with the cops that they come in after, after. the crime. You got to protect yourself and your loved ones, and it, just kind of calling back to uh, Blake Snyder, save the cat. And sometimes you have your character state what the theme is. Sure, and sure enough, we have his father-in-law stating that, and so he's kind of living up to that for the rest of the film. Mm-hmm. And that's all I have for themes okay I, I i will totally agree with that protecting I, I had protecting the ones you love i also had revenge versus justice mm-hmm. initially he wants justice right. for his family but then he gets to a point where once nothing is being done he wants he wants revenge but i also have being a lifesaver versus being a life taker 
Yeah. And that's why with a change of, of his profession in this particular film and this iteration of, of Death Wish is super fascinating because when I when I when the when the film opened up and I saw him there in the in the you know, in the trauma center, I'm like I I had a, I was like, Man, was he a physician in the first film? I didn't I didn't remember that. Right. I had to go back and look. But it instantly made me think, Oh wow, this guy is taking the Hippocratic oath to do no harm and he's gonna become a killer. Yeah. So that 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 dichotomy was was very fascinating, and and now that because he's a physician, mm-hmm. again things of, of Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah, uh, that 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 duality. Mm-hmm. Uh, he literally becomes like a different person. Uh, they even they mention in the commentary that it's fascinating that he uh, how they put it. He kills for his wife. Once his wife's dead, he kills for her sake. Mm-hmm. And then once he finds out his daughter has come out of the coma, he he he'll live. For her, for his daughter, he kills. Oh. He kills for his wife, but lives for his daughter. Because once she comes out of the coma, they say it's almost like he came out of a coma. Yeah, and it's like, what have I been doing? Yes, I'm, I'm back. And then just even in the name of the title, I actually looked up the looked up Death Wish. Now, prior, I always knew that you know, some people would ask, "Oh, what's wrong with you? You got a Death Wish or something?" Yeah, you know, somebody wanting to you know die themselves, mm-hmm. but it can also extend to just a, a desire to, for someone's death, especially one's own. It can just mean in general you want to see other people die too. I, I, that I didn't know. I always thought it was just a, a impose upon self. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but no, this is You're just, on a suicide mission. Basically, this is yeah. You want death. Period. Wish. Hmm. I got a new thing. Just kind of calling it tropes. And in trope, quick definition is a cinematic convention, a sort of visual shorthand or metaphor that's going to convey a concept. A couple examples of that is you know a Mexican standoff. Or, Could you explain for viewers who maybe don't know what Mexican standoff is, what that is? Yeah, so what's a famous film where we can kind of use that visual? Uh, you basically you have your villain and your protagonist. They both have a gun, and they're pointed at each other. One another. Each other? One another. Somebody's going to get shot. Who is it going to be? Nobody knows. That's a Mexican standoff. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see that in Westerns a lot. And it could be more than two people. It could be three people. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Mix it up. Yeah. It's, it's mm-hmm. a situation where everybody... Is at a standstill. Also, another example is just the overarching theme is, you know, the fall of the mobster in a classic gangster film. You know, we see the rise and you see him kind of leaving the old path and starting to buy new clothes and doing like a whole montage of that. And, um, you know, we just got through watching John Wick, seeing the montage of him putting on the new pistols and We've seen that thousands of times. Rambo, you mm-hmm. can just go through a list of films. It's the hunter preparing for the hunt. Yes. You know, just make sure you got the equipment, everything you mm-hmm. need, put it on, strap it on, and get ready to go. And since this is a revenge film, vigilante film, a lot of the stuff you're going to see again. You know, you're going to see the the funeral scene. Maybe it's raining, maybe it's not. But we're going to get that funeral scene so that we can kind of get wrapped up in that emotion and kind of go on the journey of, I think it's time for us to get some revenge. Yeah. And I put a trope of, um, I think maybe it's considered a trope or not, but just when you deal with criminals in films, mm-hmm. often the, you get to a point where, especially in the revenge films, you get to a point of them begging for their lives <laughs> Yeah, at some point. Yeah, for sure. Please stop. It hurts. Don't kill me, man. You're not going to kill me, are you? You know, <laughs> it's just like inevitable. Like these people who had inflicted so much hurt on others and they get put in the situation and they... They beg for their lives. What I've seen in these type of films is that, especially when the protagonist is, you know, a white male, um, sign of the, <laughs> the minorities tend to be like just disposable. <laughs> <And> so, 
Yeah. You could go to um, what's our guy's name uh, from Grand Torino, uh, Clint Eastwood. In, in any of the Taken films, was I didn't see any of the Taken films. Was that in in any of those films? Typically, he's he's up against like foreign. Okay, um, so like maybe a Russian person. Foreign, ew, man. I don't Russian know, seems. I, 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 yeah, I don't even want to assume even what their okay. nationalities were. Okay, um, but yeah, they were they were definitely foreign. Yeah, uh, foreign folk uh, from different different countries, and used typically kind of selling women into. Uh, mm-hmm. Sex slave trade, right? And John Wick, of course, we got you know some disposable minorities in there in the first one, and then you kind of see that with the vigilante. I also think about Jodie Foster and her film. You know, it was um, also John John Wick. You know, had the Russian, the whole Russian. They're the bad guys, um, and then Jodie Foster. You know, she was going after quite a few minorities in her. What was the name of that one? Oh man, where her her fiance had gotten like murdered, and oh my god, yeah, she got jacked up. And how graphic it was, how they got, how her her fiance got jacked up, and how she got jacked up. We kind of start rooting for her, just how badly they were injured. Yeah, well, and, and it was on video, and people are showing this video, and they're being horrified by it, and we see the reaction. What's it called? Wanted the wanted the the one the brave one. It's the, not even a single title. It's the, the brave one. The brave one. So yeah, so this vigilante trope, you know, it's uh, and we were talking about like how just graphic the attack is it was super graphic and the brave one in the original death wish and, and you kind of see that you see the attack of john wick you know it's, it's kind of graphic you getting beat up by a bat and then you see the dead dog just leaking that's like a hate crime you know <laughs> you know what oh, i mean yeah. in america and so so yeah we start rooting for these people because of how graphic and how jacked up these people get beat up so that's just a trope anyhow well Roy, it's a new one maybe favorite scene man you got any favorite scenes here i got a couple i got a couple so uh one i thought that was really well done and quite eye-opening was when when the valet gets in the car and looks at the gps yeah. of the home and yeah. takes a picture of it that's like dang and then in the commentary hearing you know you ross saying that this is you know when they talk with the police they said this is commonly how this happens so my thought is this if you have a vehicle yeah. With GPS on it. Um, for the home address, mm-hmm. put in your nearest police station. <laughs> and then put your home under a different name. <laughs> Don't valet. Well, there could be that too. But even but even if you did valet, somebody could break into your car sure. and put in home. So, yeah. Put home as the nearest police station. And then put your home under a different code name. Yeah. And play it safe. That is kind of terrifying. Learn something in this one. Yeah. I was like, oh, I'm glad I used my phone. You know, but you know, even then, I mean, you just gotta be on alert, man. And uh, I think sometimes people don't think from a just a criminal standpoint. You right, know? most people don't. We're <laughs> 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 not criminals. <laughs> you know, <laughs> me and my wife were talking about this because we're talking about like like the top five people that you hang around, right? And sure. Like you know, you can start comparing like economics and things mm-hmm. like that. We t- we're talking about networking. It's like you know, if you're around like a bunch of like starving people that are starving. And you're they're hungry. You know, you're going to your brain is going to be thinking you're hanging around these people. You're thinking about like, who can you jack? You know, how can I get in this person's house? And then like the experience of the people that you're hanging around, they might like, hey, don't do this because, you know, there might be an alarm system. There might be a dog in there. You start thinking of all these things that a criminal might think of. But when you're not even from that standpoint, maybe you're more affluent. You're not even thinking of that element of that being a possibility. You're more like. Man, I I had, a, I had a dude I knew in college yeah. who lived in a different area of Texas. Yeah. And he was in the Houston area. Mm-hmm. And he said literally he would, in his neighborhood, he would, he would, he could, he would drive 
into his parking lot of his family's house, leave the windows down to his truck, leave his wallet and his phone there on the dashboard of his car and just go and do whatever all day long. And that stuff would just be left there. Like not even, no, no, no fear. Yeah. No worries. And I'm like, I've never grown up in the, in the hood. I'm a military kid, but I'm like, hell no, I would never do that. Yeah. You know, that's just, that's for, that is a foreign thought to me, but I guess for him locking your doors and having your windows up and taking your freaking wallet inside is a foreign concept to him. He's in that kind of a bubble. Yeah, and you know I can kind of somewhat relate to that because uh, my neighborhood that I was in, you know, I don't know if I'm put the cities out, but uh, in the DFW area, yeah, right, uh, the area that me and my wife had lived in for you know a couple of years, we accidentally left our car running one night, and it was in an area where people would leave their trunks open, and the trunk would be open all night, mm-hmm. and people like, hey, you left your trunk open, and ah, go shut it, yeah. Um, we left our car running the whole night. Like anybody could have just jumped in and you left your car running. running because it's a hybrid. And this was our first hybrid car. Sure. And it's so quiet that when that you, sense. when you leave, you're used to hearing your car. Yeah. 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 No, that <laughs> totally makes sense. <laughs> so there's been a few times where we just left it running. Come, we just, you forget. And mm-hmm. it's a touch button. So it's not like you're taking the keys out. You yeah. just touch the button. And, uh, we left it running all night and it was like, came back and, yeah, let's hit the off button. Yeah, you know, but it was just that environment. You you leave your door open and things like that. Uh, but when we moved from that environment to a new location, <laughs> click <laughs> same car. <laughs> uh, but we had moved to this house, and uh, even on like the flyers, it said, "Hey, a lot of crime, a lot of not crime, but a lot of uh, like bur- not burglaries, um, vandalism. Maybe it was burglaries, uh, but they were saying basically have an alarm system because people steal stuff in this city." Sure. I said, that's bad when <laughs> that's coming in the mail. Right. Uh, and so in the street that we're on, it's so quiet. It's older people there. You just never, it's, you know, you could be tricked. And so one night I left my car unlocked mm-hmm. and I, it was, I was coming back from a wedding. I took my cameras out, but I still had equipment in there. I had some equipment and some more things. And I just wake up in the middle of the night and there's cops in our front yard, like looking around like, what the heck is going on? He said, hey, man, you left your car open or something like somebody broke into your car. Like my whole trunk is just empty. Stuff's in there. I'm like flipping out because I thought I left my cameras in there and I just got to shoot a wedding. Like if I would have lost that, like there's no way that is replaceable. Dang. But uh, and that was it was during the summer and it was the first time leaving the car parked because we had a lot a lot of front yard space so we had parked it in the front I had parked it in the front part of our house where you know but if we was in the driveway I don't think anybody would have went up there but but just because it was on the very front part it was easy for some kid to just kind of walk up and like huh, what's in this car is it unlocked but anyhow that's my that was my wake up call so you, once you go through that you figure out like okay let me go on and buy this pistol we in Texas we can get some guns let's get you know let's get a pit bull you know some, a dog that can alert you you know what I mean right, like right. something as simple as that can uh, deter uh, deter deter the criminal criminal element yes indeed so it makes you think differently once you know something happens to you you start you know you're like oh that's right they caught me slipping hey i mm, yeah <laughs> and even when you even when you yeah i've, I've had i've had stuff stolen before man I've, I've i bought one stereo my whole lifetime yeah uh, and i bought it for my my very first car my 91 buick saber my mom had had passed on to me mm-hmm. and i had a CD player with a little remote when that was a thing back in the day. I had a six disc CD changer in the back, yeah. And uh, the face of the of the 
player would hide itself. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember. Yeah. Yeah, but I but then I I accidentally left my I left the remote in the cup holder one day because normally I would put it in the armrest. I left it in the cup holder one day. I had. I had a company vehicle I was driving and then I had that. And so it was somebody, people, you know, they figure out your schedule. And I remember I just came home one day from, you know, from somewhere. And then I just, I remember I just could see the glare, you know, this weird reflection. And I I just, I just knew I was like, somebody has broken into my car. And I looked over and sure enough, the glass was shattered in the window and they had just torn out the stereo, like just just tore it out. Like I was like, damn Gummit, man, I was uh, that, that's, that's the worst. Just, yeah, that's a sick feeling. I had you know, alarm in my car, all them, whatever. That's just like, yeah, man, it's like, yeah, but criminal criminals. How did we get on that tangent? <laughs> I think we were going, we were going through tropes. How we move, we, favorite scene, favorite uh, scenes, yeah, 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 that's right. I mentioned the valet, yes, getting the GPS, yes, man, full circle. <laughs> Have a whole nother show that's talking about criminal activity. Right. One of my favorite scenes is just um, the father-in-law when he's shooting at the poachers. Like, that's hilarious. Yes. You see this old guy. He thinks he's just like, you know. He pulls over and just starts busting at these guys. Like, <laughs> like, honestly, I thought he was going to kill himself when he oh. stopped the vehicle all of a sudden yeah. and got out. I was like, has he got, has he got just depressed? Because he's lost his wife already. Yep. And now his daughter I was like, I thought, I thought when he got out, I thought he was gonna like just pull out a gun and, bah, and off him for just a brief moment. I was like, what's going on? Yeah. And then he sees this trail. And I'm like, I'm still like, what's going on? And then yeah, goes after those poachers. But yeah, that guy for being in the film for so short a period of time, the the, the lines that he said, literally, they set up the theme of the movie and yeah. and, and really kind of put uh, Doctor Kersey on his track. Like mm. that guy was impactful. Talk about making an impact in a short period of time. Uh, and also, again, they mentioned in the commentary, Liz- um, Elizabeth Shue, mm-hmm. again, for the short period of time she's in the movie, she's very, very likable. You yeah. know, she, her and Bruce Willis have good chemistry. Her and uh, the young lady playing the daughter, Camille. Kimmy? Kimmy? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kay, they call her Kim for short. Uh, oh, okay. Camille Marone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great chemistry all around. It's a family. Great chemistry. Uh, and Elizabeth Shue, like, come on, Adventures of Babysitting? Come yeah. on. What are we doing here? You notice that her and uh, Vincent D'Onofrio, uh, they said that was a little Vincent and Babysitting reunion with yeah. those two both both in there. Uh, yeah, film geeks out there for sure. Like I was like, after seeing Elizabeth Shue on B- Vincent and Babysitting, I've always been a fan of her ever since then. She was in the, uh, the Expendable? Not the, not the Expendables. It was uh, The Americans? What is the name of that freaking movie? It was her and John Travolta and this other guy. And they... What genre? Like, it's like a comedy. It's kind of like a... It's like a, kinda like a uh, Kind of, yeah, it's, yeah, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a comedy. It's like the best way I can describe it. Yeah. It's not super serious, but this is like eighties. This movie set in the eighties. Oh, it's in the eighties. This is in the eighties, bro. Oh, and, I totally don't know that movie. <laughs> and she and she is dynamite. Oh, she was killing. That's what I'm dude, saying. Like I'm telling she you, is <laughs> dynamite in these movies. Man. I mean, she. I mean, she looks. It's basically that. Basically, it's this old town in America. Yeah. That's still in like set. It, they all the people dress and walk and talk like they're still in like the fifties or sixties. But they're really a bunch of like Russian people who were sent over to kind of infiltrate, and they were like Ooh. sleeper agents. Um, and 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 John Travolta and his buddy they come in and try and you know spruce up the town or whatever. And they but they end up finding this stuff. Spoiler alert! Sorry guys, but uh, but man, never even heard of the film. I can't even think of the name of it, dude. I got I have to find it. But Elizabeth Moss in this film, Moss or shoot. Shoe, I'm sorry. I don't want to say Moss. Elizabeth <laughs> Shoe in this film. 
Hello. Then, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> Other favorite scenes that you got. So and this kind of goes along throughout the movie, but they when when Dr. Kirsten, when he sees Elizabeth Shue's body, when he sees his wife's body, mm-hmm. the, the the film is not very melodramatic. It doesn't do like any like major emotions like over the top. So even in his like mourning, it's very understated. You mm-hmm. know, he doesn't like just like break down and like they and that's and maybe that's maybe for some maybe that's, that's to a, maybe that's to a maybe that's to a detriment you know maybe people would want to see maybe more emotional reaction i mean dude he when he saw her he has two tears coming down his eyes at the same time that's talent people mm. i like i mean what else is there saying then when you have the uh police that are uh talking to him with his brother like kind of flipping out you know he's crying again there um i don't know I think from an emotional standpoint, it's... Uh, that it hit the beats. I think so, too. But yeah. I think for some, they may have... May, who knows? They may have wanted to see more. There's actually a deleted scene uh-huh. of of them getting... Of, of his brother um, and him coming back to the house for the first time and seeing where everything was. And he sees the the cookbook. Yeah. And he says, tres leches. He said, they were, they were making me a cake. You know, he like sees that. And he's like, it's, 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 a, it's a small, short scene. Yeah. But it's like, oh, it's got it's got a little 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 weight to it, you yeah. know. And then his brother's come on, we gotta go. And he's trying to get him to I guess the airport to to fly out. Do you have any other favorite scenes? When his uh, when his brother is trying to give him back the money, he's like, I got a job, you know. And yeah. uh, oh, just one, just how they're playing that, you know. Just like I'm like, oh man, that's gotta hurt, you know. He wants you to kind of be happy, but he's so gone, so far gone in murder land that he can't even just be like, man, I'm proud of you, you know. Pay me back, what? And then let's go celebrate, you know. That's, I was going to take you out. It's on on me. Mm-hmm. And, and he's trying to he realizes that he's screwed up too but he's so in the, said, in the midst of trying to hide stuff and get get what he feels he needs for his uh, mission of vengeance that he just he can't bring himself to even, to even say hey I'm sorry yeah he's a jerk <laughs> <laughs> so when he is on the street and he has his first kill right yeah he's, he's already shot the SUV as it approaches him and he's, he's on the ground and then all of a sudden you get this weird perspective behind him yeah you're like what's going on and clearly it's somebody watching him and he's being recorded I don't know just to change that camera angle yeah. I, I just in, I enjoyed because mm-hmm. it totally like wait what's going on and like oh okay somebody's getting him on video so I don't know it's like, I just like the the way that it switched over because mm-hmm. it was so the angle was so different and then there's a reveal behind the angle like oh he's being watched and that's I think one of the big parts of of this being a worthwhile remake just bring mm-hmm. it into modern times like literally you have somebody who's out there murdering people doing the vigilante thing yeah. just the reactions it would have from heck yeah you would be recorded social media from you know just people doing commentary about it what do you guys right. think is it good is it bad is you know is it an angel is he a grim is he a grim reaper um so yeah I, I enjoyed that and kind of like a callback the introduction reminds me of new jack city because we get a feeling for the city we're flying into the mm-hmm. city and then you have the radio talking about in new jack city they're talking about crack epidemic and this Absolutely. one we're talking about just the crime the rates, yeah, yeah the murder rate of the city and this and so we're like oh man they're just kind of introducing us to what's going on in the city without even saying too much it was just highly visual you know cut to we start following the police car and we see somebody a police officer has been shot like dang how often does that happen but we're in Chicago. Anything could happen. That was just a heck of an introduction, and I like how like they got sway in the morning and all the people kind of coming and doing their thing. Yeah, having having two real uh, personalities mm-hmm. um, show that that are Chicago based was great. Uh, and then you know even just watching him, Doctor Carey, seeing himself on social media, the video of him shooting those people, seeing the video, <laughs> oh, seeing him see himself, his, yeah, his reaction <laughs> of you know kind of smiling and right. Uh, 
that's that's, that's crazy, man. Like that he's he's kind of getting away with far, it. Yeah. yeah, gone that far, done it, and then there's a video of him, and you can see himself doing it. That's a whole other level. It's one thing to have images and flashbacks, memories in your mind of the event, and you're all amped up, but then to see it recorded mm-hmm. and see himself in action, that's got to do something to you totally differently. Mm-hmm. To, to almost like to validate. The fact that he lived through it, it almost kind of validates your mission. Right. And you can go back and watch that again, time and time again. And it makes sense why, you know, we're in this day and age where people are looking for likes, looking for popularity, and why there was, you know, copycats. And, and just regular life people are afraid there'll be copycat killers and certain things that's happening. So they're kind of careful how this stuff is put on the media. But because we have phones and things like that, you can no longer keep that stuff under wraps. And and we are influenced by the things that we see. We look to emulate. Let's go into trivia. Okay. You got any trivia for us? I do have some trivia. <laughs> uh, again, I did a little research uh, with the, the first Death Wish. But one uh, piece is that uh, both Bruce Willis and Vincent D'Onofrio have known each other since they were 18. Wow. Bruce wow. started off as a bartender and uh, Vincent was a bouncer. Yes, sir. So they go back. Also, the character of Paul Kersey, as I mentioned before, in the, in, in, the, in the Death Wish novel, he's an accountant. In the original 74 movie, he's an architect. And then in this film, he is a surgeon. Mm-hmm. The head explosion trick when... Mm-hmm. Um, when the jack falls on the... Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, they use a combination of different things, including bananas and strawberries. Tasty. Tasty, <laughs> tasty. <laughs> um, this is something I thought was just a kind of fascinating correlation. So um, Bethany at the Jolly Rogers oh, yeah. uh, gun store, at the very end of the film, when he goes to, to visit her, she's wearing a Punisher t-shirt. Uh, I didn't catch it. Yeah. Uh, for those who aren't familiar, the Punisher is a Marvel Comics character uh, who is a vigilante who kills people? Shoots people. He's a former... The Punisher. Yeah. He is a, a former military man by the name of Frank Castle. Uh, also had, had a pretty popular Netflix series uh, yep. under the Netflix banner. But also fascinating is that Frank Castle, the Punisher, debuted in Marvel Comics in, uh, if I'm not mistaken, in uh, February of 1974. Oh. And then this film came out uh, in June of 74. But the novel came out in 72. So two years prior to the Punisher debuting in Marvel Comics, this this book was out. Um, but he he shows up in the comics. So that was on purpose. Kind of just kind of giving an homage to Punisher. Is that yeah okay? Yeah, her wearing that shirt. That's definitely because he, he's he's one of the few characters in the, in, in in Marvel uh, that kills people. Like his he's he's a kill he's a he's a vigilante. Other other heroes mm-hmm. have problems with him because he's a a killer. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, he gets ostracized sometimes. I can see. Um, um, also, the I like the how they shot the Sway in the Morning and the Man Cow show, and they were shot on video, so it looked ultra real. And have you seen like Sway in the Morning mm-hmm. show? Yeah, it just YouTube. that just seems like a just a normal conversation they would have. Yeah, you know? and Missy Elliott is chiming in. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was really well done. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, it's totally believable. Yes, indeed. Yeah, I really like that element. And you got Heather B doing her, you know, kind of going back and forth. She was riding with the, she's like, hey, white guy saving black people. Go ahead, Grim Reaper. And, right. then, <laughs> and then you got Sway like, I don't know, man. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> put those images out there. Is it okay? Is it safe? Who knows? Y'all chime in. And, I, and I, 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 that's one of the things I really enjoyed about the film. Right. Is that I felt like they took both sides. Whether you fall on, on the argument, you know, with, with, with guns and stuff, that I felt like they they weren't necessarily defending Kersey's, uh actions, yeah, or glorifying them even, yeah. Um, and they kind of just 
they put it out there. Right? This is what this guy chose to do. You know, what do you, what do you think? Uh, I thought they did a good job of that. And even the again, justice versus vengeance. I like how they portrayed the cops, not as bumbling cops. Like they mm-hmm. lived to me that they these cops they were they were trying to work the leads as best as they could. Right. At the same time, at the very end, with uh, Dean Norris's character, director, uh, direct, de- excuse me, director, detective Reigns, mm-hmm. knowing that Kersey is the guy. Yeah. And them kind of doing the cat and mouse thing, but then finally saying, "Hey, you want you know stick to saving lives," and they're kind of being that 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 understanding that that wink, um, mm-hmm. which. Yeah, you know, in real in the real world, would make you know Norris a corrupt cop. Um, <laughs> but yes, as as a whole, though, I'm like okay. In the context of the film, it's like okay, it makes him, you know, compassionate. Plus, you think about it, like you know, a fluent surgeon. The officer even says it, like, "Hey, we fluent surgeon. We need to make sure that we have it. That, that he's the guy before we do anything." When he said <laughs> that, yeah, it made me think, like, okay, yeah, this guy his position in the community, like, man, what? I don't know. Like that's what you begin to think about, like class, class, economics, yeah. race, yeah. you know, big time. Um, you know, if this was a middle class family or lower income family, you know, in the south side of Chicago, and somebody broke into the home, you know, killed killed the mom and daughter, yeah, and uh, they they were basically those cup they were there up on that on that board, you know, mm-hmm. with the police officers, they were just up on that board, and uh, your case is different. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, you you wonder, you know, what were, were others getting that much personal attention? Because even when he shows up to the precinct, he calls, "Hey, hey, hey, you know, uh, Doctor Kersey, come on, come on back." Yeah, you just buzz buzz him on in. Come yeah. on back. Everybody's waiting. Everybody, Everybody else is filling out forms. <laughs> and this, this this the physician gets to go on back. Mm. I don't know. Mm. What's his name? Joe Carnahan, the writer. What you doing? <laughs> Man, he came right, at, right at you, Joe. <laughs> I just ask a question. I'm Joe. just I'm asking. Not, I'm saying, what you doing? <laughs> we have a sit down with you, Joe. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> get into your head. The trivia. I like how they were incorporated, like the the slide bite or the Beretta bite. You know how yeah. it was cut, like, and how how much that played into just like somebody just being inexperienced. Like, okay. Yeah. Um, and I like again from a detective work standpoint how they said, you know, when he's looking at the the after after, <laughs> I don't know why his name makes me laugh. After the ice cream man. Yes. Remember the old rap song? Yeah, Master P. Yeah. Oh, Master P. I don't think I wanted to say his name. Dun, dun, dun. Ding, ding. Oh. <laughs> it doesn't hold up. <laughs> oh, man. I didn't want to say his I name. I got 31 flavors. Oh. I didn't want to say his name. I didn't want to say his name. I did. I, I like Master P. Oh, man. So, He's a businessman. I, I respect day, I respect, I I respect the business. Yeah. Tracks don't hold up. Oh, no. <laughs> but when the ice cream man <laughs> after he gets popped, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> uh, so after <laughs> after the the vendor of of non ice cream products right. gets, uh, gets taken out, mm-hmm. and they're watching those kids, and they're like kind of emulate, they're like acting it out. You yeah. know, these kids are acting it out, and he sees the hand that he's using. He's like, "Let's see that video again," making the connection that the left hand, yeah, left handed. I'm like. Hmm, okay, that's some good police work there. Yeah, going back to the slide bite, though, the Beretta bite, it's, um, you haven't seen that in a film before where they 
show because usually when someone just picks up the gun, they're just going at it, uh, uh, uh. and you don't see the ramifications of what happens when somebody doesn't know what they're doing. You know, does some of these shells bust them in the eye? You know what I mean? Like Ricochet, right, right. like we see the Ricochet happen with Bruce Willis in this film. You know, so it's like what are ramifications when you don't know what you're doing? We see so too many times where somebody just grabs a gun and it's automatically ready to go. Just pull the trigger, or even like firing that first shot and feeling the impact of a firearm. Yeah, if you're not used to that. It's jarring. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. It, kick, kick, kickback is real. <laughs> kickback is real. Yeah. So, I haven't, I haven't seen in just the ramifications of that. So, I, I do appreciate that. Slide bite. I won't be buying that gun. <laughs> no glocks. No glocks for you. Yeah. Because I had to do some research. Seeing how people hold it. They're like holding the left side with like kind of like both hands like lined up on top of each other. And that's the way you do it to, to avoid that. Hmm. Like, oh. Yeah, that would have been me too. <laughs> Ow. <laughs> Wait, I dropped my gun. Hold on, time out. Yeah, time out. <laughs> it's stuck. The bullet stuck. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, that'd be no good. No good. Any more trivia? I had a couple more, but I don't think they're even worth mentioning. No. I mean, you wrote them down. So. I did. So the um, Eli Ross brother, they got in trouble for breakdancing in Wabin. Is that the name of the city? Wabin. And so he created a bl- the brake fluid is called Wabin and kind of like an appreciation uh-huh. of or an homage to what happened to them. Okay. They got in trouble for breakdancing or arrested for breakdancing. Wow. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> I'd like them apples. <laughs> And I also like how uh, they were able to use like just real, you know, real life stuff, you know, doing their research, using that caustic agent on the nerve ending and no. like the <laughs> and the doctors like kind of like teaching the audience like what happens when that nerve is exposed to some caustic agent. I knew at some point he would use his his so, medical yeah. uh, education to inflict pain. I want, once I, saw, I was like, oh man, there's going to come a point he's going to torture somebody. Yeah. Somebody's going to get tortured That's medically horrible. and a scalpel will probably be, will probably come into play. When he said the sciatic nerve, I was like, oh, not the sciatic. <laughs> not the sciatic. <laughs> and then pour that, oh man. It's the, Please stop. It's the most pain you can endure without getting a heart attack basically. That's t- That is terrible. That is. I, I don't want to fathom. Don't yeah. want to fathom. That's horrible. Mm. But yeah, but how about how real that looked when he did the cut, the incision drink? That's terrible. At any rate, now it's time for filmmaking tips. I need some music on that part. Yeah. Production value. <laughs> Bring it on in. All right. Uh, one of my tips I have is that making various kinds of movies lets the industry know you are interested in receiving various kinds of scripts for other kinds of movies. Ah. Uh, this is something that the uh, producer mentioned earlier on, um, Mr. Birnbaum. Uh Somebody asked him, I think Eli asked him, like, what, what's your favorite kind of movie or film? He's like, well, you know, when you get in the industry, if you only make this kind of film, then you're only going to get scripts typically sent to you for that one type of film. Mm-hmm. He said, so, I mean, I, I like all kinds. And so I, I tell my, my people, you know, we can get to the end of the year and we see how many different kinds of films we made. People want everybody to know, hey, send us all kinds of scripts mm-hmm. so we can have options to make different kinds of things. So, so there's a scene um, when the wife is... She's making a three leche cake. Is that what it's called? Three leche. Tres cake? leches. Tres or, leches. Or three layer. Three layer. Um, and she opens the book. She goes to the side and she comes back and notice that the page has turned on the book. And so she, we see her discover that the, there's a breeze. The window. The window is open, and it's practical. And that's a real thing. So we see people discover, 
you know, let your character discover these things. And instead of just, we're in the house and we're going to kill you, you mm-hmm. know, let them, let these people to kind of discover it. So, you know, add that to your script. These little, they're, they're just a few seconds, but, you know, seeing our character discover stuff is important. Yes. Especially if we discover it along with them. Yeah. All right. Next tip. Um, and this kind of pertains to, once again, uh, Elizabeth Shue. Uh, powerful actors or actresses uh, can make the audience miss them, even when they die early on in a film. Yeah. Uh, again, I just think that Elizabeth Shue's, she's so endearing in those few short scenes. It's like, man, you know, when she passes, you're like, oh, well, that sucks. Yeah. You know, she seems, you know, her character like a good person, a good woman. You know, she loves her husband, loves her daughter. And the fact that she was on her way to become... Uh, get her doctorate mm-hmm. you know had accomplished something major in life and so you really get the sense of oh you know dying before her time and Dr. Baby yeah right I call her Dr. Baby one thing I will say just on side tangent like the fact that these two women like actually tried to fight you know yeah they, they, they tried to fight and tried to escape they almost could have gotten out unscathed maybe if they hadn't they maybe would have sur- survived because he they mm-hmm. he had, had all the stuff uh, and then you know the daughter went to scratch the guy and then, you know, mom had to jump in and defend and throw the boiling water and that kind of just. Yeah, sealed the fate there. Yeah. But, you know, they didn't fall in the trap of just being damned in the trust. They tried to fight. And who's to say they, they still wouldn't have killed them, you know? There's no guarantees. No, there is not. And they had their masks on. So, but once I got to his mask off, they they, they kind of had to then. Yes, he could be ID'd. Yes, indeed. Meh. Dude was like, screw it. Well, in regards to uh, the blocking. Um, Eli Roth talks about that that particular scene you know he said this isn't something you can just do in one day so him and the actors kind of figured out you know this is where you're going to be at this is how we're going to block the scene and really go through it especially a scene like that there's so much going on there's uh, the adrenaline pumping there's people yelling screaming like how do you control this chaos and being able to block that out is very important also again it's another tip from the producer he said don't turn down small parts even a, a, a small role could could lead to, to something more. You just you just never know. Sure. Um, so you know, go in and, and give it your give it your your best. I'm trying to think if there's somebody specifically. Well, yeah. Again, the, the guy who who plays the the father-in-law. Yeah. Or Mike Epps. You know, Mike. Everybody knows Mike Epps, but mm-hmm. you know, he came in. He just had a few lines. Wanted to do a dramatic role. They gave him a chance and uh, moved on. Yeah, I was I was I was I was surprised. I was like, huh, especially since he just has a new Netflix special that dropped, and so I've been seeing him pop up there literally yeah. all, all weekend, and all of a sudden I see him here. Like, yeah, so you just, you just never know. You have any other tips? Tips. We talked about this earlier, but just in regards to the, how the criminals discovered uh, where the where the Curseys live, and just using like real criminal references, doing your research, finding out what. You know, from the cops, maybe they don't want to expose too much of what goes on, but, you know, get some real life things on how people are figuring are are becoming criminals and what they are doing and give it a real feel. The rest of the points I have is just basically what the producer said for filmmaking tips that he said. Just, you know, at the end of the day, just get in the game, get in the game. Advice for filmmakers from producer Roger Birnbaum. Get in the game. Mm-hmm. Be respectful. Be loyal. Have a point of view. Mm hmm. He said, you know, cause if you don't have a, a point of view to bring to the table, then said, you might might as well not even come out. Uh, but he said also be able to articulate that point of view. Yeah. And believe in yourself and your idea. I want to add, add on to that. Just um, having a point of view. Some of the, like our favorite filmmakers, 
have a certain point of view and you can feel like their energy in the film. Even like, you know, if this film was directed by Tarantino, it's mm-hmm. a different film uh, with Eli Roth. It has a little bit of comedy and it has those weird special effects and comedy elements to it. You know, so you see their point of view, you know, would it be a little bit more dramatic on the front end? Who knows? Depending on who's directing it. Exactly. And then with that, you know, believe in yourself and your idea. He says, don't follow trends. Yeah, don't follow trends. <laughs> you say what? You'll be behind. You'll be behind by the time the film actually comes out. You'll, yeah. You'll be late. Yeah. Um, at the AFM, the American Film Market, it is a market that actually does follow trends. But I've heard this before from uh, Stacy Parks, who's a sales agent now, like consultant. And she was basically saying that, you know, there was one year where everybody just had to have sharks or they had to have dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> or had to have dinosaurs. But once you get that note, once you develop that film and you just like, hey, I have my shark movie now. It's like, oh, we're on dinosaurs now. Right. You're like, oh. <laughs> Man. <laughs> you got to, you know, either create the trend or the curve, you know. Right. But if you're just, yeah, definitely if you're behind it, it's, it's too late. But also one, one of the things that they said is that, again, even in, even in a small, like we were talking about small roles, mm-hmm. even if you're getting coffee, he said, if that's what you get hired to do, make sure you bring that coffee and you make that coffee. Make sure you show up with it. Make sure it's hot. Yeah, there you go. You know, it just you basically just talking about excellence. Do it with excellence. And then the next time around somebody has a need, they can hit you up and say, hey, that person does coffee well. Maybe they can PA well. Mm-hmm. Hey, they PA well. You know, maybe they can, you know, exactly. do grip or be an assistant in some other kind of capacity. And yeah, just, you know, show up, keep humble, prove yourself, be excellent. He said, to kind of go with you believing in yourself, he said, you don't have to be special. You don't even have to have that special talent. Just uh, you have to believe in yourself. And so many filmmakers do not. Mm. Like, just straight up. There's talented people that just, they don't believe in themselves or invest in themselves enough to be like, you know what? They care too much about what other people think. Right. Even though you kind of have to, especially when you're making stuff for people. Right. Uh, but you have to believe in yourself enough. Even when you're getting some female you may not agree with, you still got to push it through. Yes. Uh, another tip that I had was this. Uh, we see the shot when they kill, well, they shoot the mother, daughter. Do they shoot the mother, like the daughter? Do they shoot her in the head or hit her in the head? Because she, she has shot in like the base of the base of the skull. Okay, dang, yeah, wow. Because they talk about that in commentary. How do you survive being like shot, like yeah. at the base of the skull, depending on the entry point, and it, you know, not to have any major memory loss, and why you would have raccoon eyes for a couple of days and the yeah. tube in a certain place, and a couple of days later, you still survive. They change that configuration, but yeah, medical stuff. So when we we see that the the mother has thrown the hot water on one of the bad guys, he's taking the mask off. His skin is probably melting into the stocking, mm. and the guy's like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "Oh man, we got to do something now." So they shoot him, but we don't see the bullets go in. You know, we don't see the bullets and they're leaking out of the face. Like, we see the other bad guys. Like, we, they get shot, blood is leaking on the floor. Oh, yeah. You know? <laughs> they sit down and they're just like a puddle of blood is just stretching out. Uh, but when they go to shoot the, the women, we cut to an exterior shot of the house, nighttime, the flash. And so, Eli Ross' reasoning is that, you know, it keeps us guessing what happened. Did they die? And mm-hmm. so, we discover it, you know, along with the character. Yeah, through you Dr. Kersey. Exactly. I thought that initially, yeah, I thought that initially both were going to be dead. Yeah. Um, the fact that it was just his wife and then his daughter was alive, like, oh, okay. It's a little hope. And that's all I got for Filmmaker Tips. What do we got next time, sir? Next time, we are going to be diving in to the future 
Yes. And one Demolition Man. Yeah, one of my favorites. Indeed, indeed. If you are looking to find and follow us, you can find us on Facebook.com forward slash Filmmaker Commentary. You can also like, rate, and subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, and other sources. Now, if there's a, a film you would like us to review, number one, please make sure it has commentary. And you can uh, reach out to us um, through the aforementioned areas, but also on Instagram. We are at Filmmaker Commentary there. If you want to reach out to Reginald directly, you can find him on Twitter at Reggie Titus and also on Instagram simply at Reginald Titus Jr. That's JR. You can also find me on Instagram and Twitter simply at Casey G. Smith 32. Until next time. Peace out. <laughs> <laughs>